Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Kenny, and we are going to be talking about Return of Condor Heroes chapters 21 through 25. And uh, so I just want to make a note today that Kenny's a little under the weather, um, and so uh, hopefully we'll we'll uh, we'll be able to get through this. Uh, but um, but it may be we, we we may both be a little bit off today, so we apologize. But we want to. We want to kind of get through these chapters and uh, and talk about them, so we're just going to press on ahead. And uh, anyway, so uh, in these chapters, a lot happens. Um, but why don't we? Uh, I guess why don't we start with chapter twenty-one, Kenny, where uh, you know the title of the chapter is "Fierce Fighting at Zhang Yang," and this is the one where uh, you know Guo, uh, Guo Jing and Yang Guo are gonna uh, sleep in the bedchamber together, and Yang Guo is still sort of determined to kill Guo Jing, and he actually acts on that uh, that decision to a degree, but uh, there's confusion, and he stopped, and uh, and Guo Jing mistakes his behavior for. Uh, uh, his internal energy being disrupted and Yang Guo kind of goes along with it. And, uh, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so I think the important thing to mention here is that, um, Yang Guo actually, over, so, so at the end of sort of at chapter 20 ish, um, uh, Guo Jing sort of leaves to have a conversation with Huang Rong, uh, and Huang Rong already suspects that Yang Guo is up to no good. Um, and they have a conversation about Yang Guo's father, which Yang Guo overhears. Um, and from his point of view, it's, tantamount to a confession um to being the cause of his father's death basically which is what sort of steals his um determination to kill warjing um and then yeah and then you know we've got the whole scene where uh yang guo is pretending to have a cultivation deviation and Jing is trying to help him and then throughout the rest of the sort of chapter and even the next chapter Jing thinks that yang guo is like injured and incapable of uh, exerting his full powers and uh and over the court and that becomes important in this chapter because you know right after that incident there's a, a scene where the Wu brothers are both sort of trying to impress Guo Fu and she's kind of leading them both on and they decide to uh go after uh Kublai Khan and, and assassinate him and you know unsurprisingly they end up getting captured and uh and Guo Jing receives a message that uh, that the Wu brothers are at the Ku, at Kublai's camp, and an invitation for him to arrive. Uh, you know, and it's phrased very politely, but it's very clear that this is essentially he's using them as hostages. And uh, Yang Guo decides to go with Guo Jing, and at this point, though he's still planning on on killing Guo Jing, though he's he's sort of struggling with the idea as he learns more and as he sees evidence of Guo Jing's uh, patriotism. And, you know, when they, they go to the, uh, the Mongol camp and there's a, 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 they get the Wu brothers, send them back, and there's a big battle. Uh, I'm glossing over a lot, but we'll get into it in a moment. And uh, uh, Guo Jing is, is injured and poisoned by uh, Nimo Jing's iron snake. And that's when Yang Guo decides to rescue him and it's sort of the moment in the chapter where Yang Guo makes the crucial decision, I think, to um, uh, that that Guo Jing is a patriot that, uh, uh, you know, and he starts to redirect his uh, his energies away from this idea of revenge. Um, so I don't know, would you say that's an accurate 
overview of the chapter and uh... yeah i think yeah so yeah the, the key thing is that yeah i think it's important for Yangor's character here that he makes a choice to um, not kill Guojin despite still thinking that he was his father's murderer. Um, you know, he, he has a bit of doubts as to whether his father was actually the, the good man he thought he was, which is completely unfounded, by the way. Like, he has no reason to believe that his father was a good person. Well, I think um, that just that's the natural thing, is just to sort yeah. of assume he must have been this great man. And but also maybe the maybe maybe the mother's silence helped encourage that because I what didn't yeah. he mention that she didn't really say a lot about the father or am I mistaken? No, um, no she did, definitely didn't say much about him. Yeah. So so maybe he just filled in that silence with his own ideas. Um, yeah. But yeah, there, I would agree with you. There's no reason for him to think it. But 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 definitely this is where he starts to say, oh gee, maybe my father wasn't this great guy. Um, and and he's starting to get a clearer sense, perhaps, of what actually happened. Um, yeah, and despite you know, just, uh, you know, ignoring all of that, like he, he he basically lets go of his desire for vengeance at that moment for the the people of Song. Basically, it is what uh, yeah for for the sake of fighting the Mongolians. Um, you know, he he's seen the the sort of the carnage that they've brought. There was like one scene described early in the book with the baby on the on the end of a spear that was being like paraded around on the road. Um, earlier on this chapter as well, they were actually mentioning all the different refugees and how the Mongolians were trying to use the apparently a standard tactic of like forcing refugees towards the city, and then when the city receives the refugees, they would ride in through the refugees and uh, infiltrate the city that way. I say infiltrate, but yeah charge through and break through um by using people as a shield basically and um and i think uh um the uh what was it the one of the interesting things about the battles in in and i think especially these chapters where you get to see Gua jing fighting is he's he's using these techniques that are taking out like you know eight to ten men at a time and you get a you get a real sense of 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 just how immense his power is um and you know it's it's something you know that it's one of the it's sort of one of those things that really sort of sets wuxia apart from from other genres is sort of this you reach this level of of heroic ability where uh where you're you're almost like a tank on the battlefield like the the martial heroes in this setting when they get really great you know one martial hero is equal to uh, a number of other men it's uh there is a saying for that it's a bit exaggerated but it's like um one hero worth a thousand is it, like a very succinct like chinese um idiom and i describe someone who's worth yeah and well yeah it's probably not quite one against a val thousand type but you know his value is at, at that sort of level like, he can take out groups of people he has command he has the charisma he he has his worth, I think, that puts him above the value of hundred common troops, and uh, and yeah, so that so uh, yeah, and I think I think it also kind of gives it like a little bit of like a mythic feel, like it's sort of like it, something about uh, when you when you have the these these heroes that are just you know they can sort of stand in the midst of a great battle and they're just not as affected uh, by the by the minutia as everybody else, they're able to withstand the minor cuts and scrapes to a degree that the others can't. Um, I think like sort of like a, a Western example of this would be like the, the, the Knights of King Arthur. Like they are all sort of mythical level of heroic 
people and they, they were they're involved in wars and stuff all the time but you know they, they're always the type who can you know fight against the army that their presence can ch- turn the tide of a battle um and yeah yeah they, they can they can shrug off like minor um injuries like then like nothing <laughs> yeah i would say that's a good one i'd say like or like achilles and things like that like it's that yeah. sort of level of um of uh, it's it's not you know it's definitely operating at a, with some different ground rules than uh, than a you know a, like a more a more grounded genre. Um, but uh, but the next the next chapter is the baby girl in the city in danger, and in this chapter, uh, Guo Jing and uh, Yang Guo go back uh, to the city uh, because Guo Jing's poison. He needs to recover, and that night. Uh, Jin Lun's apprentice uh, Huodu arrives and brings a message, basically saying Jin Lun is coming in the morning. Um, you know, again, very politely phrased, but the the intentions are pretty clear. And there's an amusing little incident that occurs where Huang Rong spills some tea on him and convinces him that he's been poisoned by this horrible. I think it's like a bone melting poison. She says something that sounds yeah. really awful. Um, and uh, uh, and and once again, the Wu brothers decide to fight with each other out this uh, outside the city they sort of have a there can be only one uh situation going on with uh Gua Fu, and this infuriates huang rong and the next morning she goes into labor uh as jin lun is arriving and he burns down the place to get her and go jing to come out and uh yang Gua kind of distracts him and this leads to a an extended sort of chase fight sequence Involving not just Jin Lun and Yang Guo, but um, but Li Mochu who ra- arrives, and uh, because Wang Rong's baby has been born, and uh, she ends up trying to snatch it from Yang Guo, thinking that it is um, oh no, Xiao Long Nu, right? Xiao Long Nu, yeah, yeah, because Xiao Long Nu was carrying the baby, and it, so Xiao Long Nu and Yang Guo were fighting Jin Lun while um, Xiao Long Nu was carrying the baby. Um, and she was trying to hand the baby over to Yang Guo, I remember that part. Okay. Um, and Jin Lun was just giving no no craps about the baby being there. And was just like launching all these attacks regardless of the baby's presence. So at one point, didn't he save the baby? I mean, I think it, I was, think... I think it was for a tactical reason. I don't think it was out of the goodness of his heart. Well, I think it's one of those moments where, the, I, in my mental image, the baby's up in the air somewhere, mm-hmm. and Jinnan snatches it out. I think at that point, he decides it's a good idea to have like some leverage, um, yeah. and I think he knows that it's uh, Guo Jing's baby, unlike Li Mochu, who assumes that it's uh, Shaolong Nu's baby because well, um, she already she already thinks that Shaolong Nu and Yang Guo have uh, done the deed, as it were. Well, she has every so she knows that the the uh, virginity dot is now missing, right? Because she mentions that, and she sees she sees. Xiao Longnu with a baby, so it's I guess it's a fairly safe assumption. But she sort of just leaps to it, and she she really you know uh, I again I just find it so amusing. You have this woman who's going around murdering people like that, but but she's so upset that that uh, that 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 she that Xiao Longnu and Yango might have might have had sex. Um, that she's it's I don't know just that she's so judgmental is uh is amusing to me. Well, her ultimate like goal is to. Um... Is to get the the, 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 the manual for the um, Jade uh, Maiden sword play, mm. uh, which which is what she's thinking that she could take Yang Guo and Xiao Nu's baby mm. in 
air quotes there, um, in exchange for the manual, which sort of makes sense as a scheme. But yeah, you're, you're right in that she's very judgmental. So one little inconsistency that we sort of have is I thought that Nemo Cho's chastity was sort of taken from her by the, um, was it Lu? By the, one of the Lu, um, I can't remember his name, one of the, one of the, one of the, the older brother of the Lu people at the beginning. Um, I'm not 100% clear on that. I, th- I want to go back and look at that chapter again. I've kind of, uh, I'm a little bit hazy. Um, but I know that we had mentioned that in passing. I think we both kind of assumed it. Um, yeah. And, but she still and has she her virginity she, thought, right? Yeah, and she said she's yeah. a virgin, I think. So uh, we just might have, uh, you know. There, one of the things that I find sometimes happens, too, with this series is there are so many different versions of it on TV and movies and stuff. Sometimes you pick up things that you saw on a show even you know even if you know like even if you've just read the book do you know what i mean so um i think we should go back though and make a point of really figuring that one out there's also three editions of the book and it's possible that there's some confusion resulting from that but um but actually now that i think about it i don't think it actually specifically said that i think we just kind of leapt to that conclusion um I, I guess because the sort of the only reason we can think of for Lee Mojo being so outraged at um, the Lou person, Lou Scholar Lou or whatever it was, uh, it was because like yeah you know, he he took her chastity and then dumped her basically to marry someone else. But I guess that's just us projecting in that sense. Is that we 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 sort of imagine that in the modern society that would be a situation where you'd sort of start killing him and his family. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in 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 this in in a Wuxia setting, it is enough to sort of lead her on a bit and like you know whisper sweet nothings at her, and then one day just dump her and go marry someone else. That's maybe that's enough to because um, he he did persuade her basically to abandon um, the sect, right? Or no, she abandoned the sect first, I think. Um, well, and and his name is uh, Lu Zhan Yuan is the name of the Yuan, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what we'll do? We'll do. You know what I think we should do? We should do a special uh, Limocho chapter, not chapter, but podcast at some point where we sort of clarify all these things about her. Because um, uh, I think that's a whole thing that we could get into uh, separately, uh, and uh, you know, because you know, there's a, there's a lot of details about her that are. Uh, that are easy for us to gloss over in the course of this. Um, yeah. But, but the key thing that happens is there, uh, there's this three-way chase between her, uh, Yang Guo and Jin Lun, and, and, uh, and, and they're effectively fighting over this baby. And then they end up at a cave, and uh, Yang Guo and Li Mochu are stuck inside as uh, um, Jin Lun is outside with uh, Nimo Xing. And... They use some poison needles in the entryway to, uh, to, to, to make their escape. And both uh, Jin Lun and Nemo Jing are, are poisoned. Nemo Jing ends up cutting off his own legs for the, uh, to get rid of the venom. And uh, Limo Chu and, and Yang go in search of milk for the baby. Which is one of the probably one of the funnier scenes in the it book. It was quite funny, yeah. also quite morbid because of uh, yeah the, the scene where Nemo Cho was trying to kills the baby of the the villager. So she finds like so she goes into a village, finds um a, a woman who's recently given birth, and basically dashes her baby against the wall, and then says, "Now feed this baby." Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, 
and uh and then she kills the mo- the mother too i think she ki- she kills them both when they're trying to flee right like the mother grabs the baby and runs away and she palms them or something yeah and, uh, um yeah i that seems striking because at this point you sort of get the sense that limochu might be softening in the presence of this baby do you know what i mean like she seems to be and she's at least softening up to Yango a little bit, like even if it's only because of they're forced by circumstance to work together. You just get the yeah. sense that that like you know the, the she she's maybe she's not all bad, but then she just right away he just starts kills a baby yeah. and then kills the mother afterwards. <laughs> and, and and then and then not only that, but she's just like she she I, she's just kind of recklessly roaming around, burning like she's burning houses, and uh, she you just get, she's almost like a child throwing a tantrum. Do you know what I mean? She's she uh her everyone in the Wuxia world tends to be very childish, as it were. Like <laughs> Yangguo. Okay, so Yangguo has the excuse of being young, but like I don't know. Um they, they all have their shortcomings, I feel, and Nemo shows are very obvious because it involves killing lots of innocent people. <laughs> and uh Yeah, the uh I mean well I, I guess maybe it's just again, it's sort of the product of being these powerful people in this setting. You can sort of throw tantrums and nobody's gonna really you know I mean there's nobody nobody nobody's been able to stop Limochu when she does this. So she did just like Well actually, I'm just thinking, so in this sort of setting, people spend a lot of their time practicing their martial arts and training, right? Uh-huh. They don't have as much time interacting with people. So that's maybe that's why their EQ is so low. <laughs> it's because they don't have this chance to sort of build up experience and interacting with people. And this is why they fall in love at first sight and uh, and, and get into squabbles over the tiniest things that can last generations down the line. <laughs> That's not a bad theory. Um, yeah. And so then the next chapter is um, a very important one. Um, uh, I haven't forgotten anything in the last one, have I? I know that we're... Uh... Uh, oh, um, I think... Yeah, that's it. That's, 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 that's... Oh, at some point, the, um, the baby has fed some leopard milk. I don't know how the biology of this goes, but something tells me that it won't work out. <laughs> it doesn't really... I don't know. The baby. I don't think baby should be drinking milk from other species. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's um yeah. The baby is fed leopard milk, and also this is also the chapter where um where he sees the eagle for the first time, right? Um, uh, that's the next chapter, I think. Is it? So I mean... oh, this uh, is twenty three. Um, so after uh, after um, Yang Guo and Nimocho escape. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, I skipped a chapter, didn't I? That yeah. that was the problem. I skipped a chapter, so uh, the next chapter is twenty three, and yeah. um, and then that's the chapter where the uh, uh, so so we've had the scene that you were talking about with the um, the feeding the, feeding the baby the uh, the leopard milk, and then uh, and then Yango has this encounter with a giant eagle, and you know it has these fights with these four venomous snakes, um, and then. Uh, you know, Yango steps in to help at a certain point when this giant, this giant venomous snake shows up and, uh, it flies him or he flies with it to a valley and they go into a cave and there they find the grave of, uh, of demonic swordsman Dugu. Uh, and, uh, and Yango feels this close friendship with this eagle, like a friendship, like he hasn't felt, it seems with anybody else really. Um, or at least not with many people. Um, and then he returns to Limochu and uh, he has an encounter with uh, with Wu Santong and uh, the Wu brothers. And the Wu brothers are still sort of fighting over 
uh, Guo Fu, and this is upsetting Wu Santong. And so Yang Guo decides that, you know, he's going to help Wu Santong with his sons and pretends that he's in, he's interested in marrying uh, Guo Fu. And, and, you know, this marriage has already kind of been arranged anyway, so it's a totally plausible lie. And, and he gets in a fight with the Wu brothers. Zhao Longnu overhears him going on about how he's going to marry Guo Fu and, and this sort of plants the seed of their next separation. Um, and, uh, and, but, but Yang sort of handily defeats them. And then there's a, a fight with Li Mochu, who's in the, sort of in the background. And, um, uh, and I think the Wu brothers are poisoned and Yang sucks out the venom and, you know, he collapses and he wakes up in, uh, uh, in bed in, uh, uh, and finds out that, uh, Zhao Longnu is left, uh, and, and then that gets into the next chapter. I don't know if I if I left anything out there. Um, no, I think that's that's basically everything. Okay, and so this chapter, um, I don't know. This was a uh, uh, this is one where. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just to say, like, just so one of the it it just bugs me a little bit that um, by this point, Shadow Lu doesn't seem to understand that Yang Guo lies to people to uh, to do things like he you know he obviously never lies to her but for some reason that also seems to seems to make her think that he doesn't lie to anybody else well here's which... the here's the thing though she barely even knows what a lie is at this point she's incredibly naive um, and she's lived in that cave where, I mean I think I think it, I think it strains plausibility a bit but I think the idea is like she just because she she like at one point, they uh, earlier in in these chapters, uh, Huang Rong asks her to protect uh, Guo Jing while he's sleeping, and she says, "No, I only protect Yang Guo." It's like you know, she's just like very, she's got like a very sort of oddly, oddly shaped mind when it comes to things, and so you know, I don't know, but but, but yeah, I think so. How, do you think it's a plausibility issue, or is it just a thing where it annoys you about her character? It annoys me that by this point she's not really, you know, learnt that Yang Guo... I mean, she's seen that the way Yang Guo fights is through clever tricks and, like, taunting his opponents with words. Like, he's done this time and time again, like, at the Hero's Feast and then at the Passionless Valley. Like, his, his words are as much of a weapon as um, his actual martial art sometimes. And I don't know, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, you know, fool me once shame on me kind of thing but okay um by this point i really feel like she should oh that doesn't sound right he's never mentioned any of that to me maybe i should talk to him about it instead of running away but okay okay i see what you're saying um yeah i mean it's i find that scene just annoying for the fact that you, you know that they're going to have another one of these separations and it's kind of a silly thing for them to be and this is one of the most tragic separations as well because of what happens in the next chapter yeah. so it's just like ugh. so yeah it, de- it definitely uh it, it, but also it, it is an important chapter because it's one where you're starting to see yang Guo just increasingly become much less selfish over the you know and sort of modeling himself more after somebody like Guo jing where you know he's like okay i'm gonna do this for wu Santong. And you know, any and, he, and well, I think the the reason he did that was because he thought that he was dying, and 
Oh, he is dying from the poison. It's like, oh, well, I can do a good deed for Wu Santong type of thing. No, sure, but but another way to look at it is he's only got, like, what, seven days to live at this point, according to what he's been told. And yeah. would you want to spend, like, you could he could still make use of that time. But, yeah. You know, so, uh, like, I would almost think you might become more selfish if you've only got seven days to live because, you know, you you want to you want to you want to make good use but uh but 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 the interesting thing is the poisons seem to sort of hold each other in check once he wakes up in the next chapter and it's yeah. sort of like it's like the mr burns thing i don't know if you are familiar with the mr burns situation on the on the simpsons where the doctor oh, said well, he had heart every... attack thing no <laughs> yeah. yeah oh go ahead oh you know, that's, that's when he had every illness and they were sort of keeping each, everything in check basically. yeah yeah and that's kind of what seems to be going on with the 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 passionless poison and i think it was limo Chu's poison needles yeah the soul freezing needles or whatever so and it's funny too because it's sort of like there's this there's this really weird parody between what's going on between yangua and and jin lun and Zhao long nu and jin lun and you you sort of have uh you have the situation where yangua has the two poisons that are held in check are holding each other in check and then you have the next situation with Jubatong when he gets poisoned with um i forget the tibetan spider that poisons him mm. and then it's like the 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 bee venom that sort of counteracts it um and they're yeah. both sort of have that situation in a cave and i don't know but in the next chapter um oh before we move on i do want to mention that part of the sort of um the the, the scene with the Wu brothers where he's fighting them is and and he makes them believe that he has sort of been betrothed to uh, um, Guo Fu is that he uses um, the Peach Island Masters Kung Fu um, the finger flicking and the the, j- the jade flute sword play um, to, to sort of demonstrate that oh uh, Guo, uh, um, Huang Rong has personally taught me these techniques, uh, yeah, because I am going to be a successor type of thing, and I, I and I'm going to marry her daughter. Well, and he's not necessarily lying when he says some of that stuff. Like the like, it's pretty clear Huang Rong holds him in high esteem at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. her her estimation of him has increased, you know, by a large amount, while her while her opinion of the Wu brothers has declined sharply, and so Yanggu is kind of basically saying something that's essentially true um and it is interesting that yet again in this story you have something that was supposed to happen that didn't happen that ended up happening anyways where you know he ended up learning the technique that he was supposed to have learned from huang rong earlier oh, yeah you know <laughs> so, well there's little uh, ironies in there you know um but then in the next the next chapter is crucial and it and you get this really this really horrible cliffhanger um Guofu is furious with uh with Yangua um because now the you know the the Wu brothers are are no longer you know they they've lost and so they so so now she's got nobody now 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 they're not uh they're not inter- they're, they're they're not uh they're not trying to to win her love anymore and and so she t- she uh she blames Yangua for uh uh, for all this, you know, for 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 the exchange he had with. Oh, go ahead. That's just Guofu's uh, character. Some introspection is required. I mean, just think about it. the common denominator. You're the issue. Like, why would you blame the Wu brothers and Yang Guo for everything when you're the one who can't, you know, make a choice and stick to your guns and you're so so pampered and spoiled and 
you know, I, I think she improves um, towards the end of the book, and yeah, there's reconciliation and stuff there. But at this point, you know, she's a very hateable character just because of the way she's acting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's uh, there's a um, what's the movie? One Armed Swordsman is kind of based around this scene, and it's not it's not really Guafu, and it's like they're not the actual characters, but the character that cuts off his arm in that movie is a pretty good uh, summary. <laughs> of of guafu at this point i think that sort of that sort of encapsulates her her personality um and uh and yeah and she and she uh, i mean there's an extended sequence that happens here but the the end result is she it seems she cuts off yangua's arm um and the you know the the reader is left to to wonder uh, yeah, because it never it wasn't it wasn't explicit. What, what the description basically just said like you know that she she made a few moves and Yang Guo didn't really try to defend himself and like he raised an arm to defend against like one blow from Guo Fu, and I think she used a bit too much force in it and then it sort of cuts out there. So we don't know that the blow landed or that a wound was caused or anything. We just sort of it literally just leaves us at that cliffhanger of the blow is in midair and now we're left to. <laughs> but then we, and then we go for a different part of the story. And, and then we don't hear about Yang Guo for the next couple of chapters from here on, you know, it's, uh, so this is a giant cliffhanger. Um, and, uh, and so, and then, and then there's sort of this thing where they kind of like, they kind of go back to what happened with Zhao Longnu when she was at the rock and she overheard everything. And then she gets back to the, to the city and she has, uh, and, and she ultimately, uh, overhears these, uh, the two Taoists talking and, and she, she has a revelation that uh, uh, with this information that that uh, uh, Zhao Ziping raped her while she uh, uh, Yin Yin Ziping. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Zhao Ziping is the, the the senior. Um. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um. So uh, so Ziping Yin Ziping um you know basically says that he uh that he that he raped her and and she freezes up for a little while like she 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 has, she has to sort of process this information and um and she essentially confirms it for uh Guafu who who then that's why she's able to go to uh to Yango and and also I should yeah, say should, in that scene, mention, yeah, yeah yeah there, there's <laughs> a really important okay Yango so was, so yeah, yeah. um <laughs> In that scene, when Guafu is is uh, is having her fight with Yango, she she says that Zhao Long knew, you know, has done this horrible deed, and and I think she even says like, you know, she can do it, but I can't even bring myself to say it. Is is that that's how horrible this is? And and Yango slaps her, and and then that's what kind of leads into the uh, the the sword fighting. Um, and and Yango, because he was so weak from the poison, wasn't really able to do much. Um, but uh, but but then we sort of have this flashback where or not flashback, but it just kind of goes back to that point in the story to get Zhao Long News perspective, and and she you know she uncovers this information, and then she uh, she starts following the Taoists, um, and she's sort of like you know basically how it, it, the feeling you get is that she's like hounding them to the ends of the earth as they're trying to get away from her. Um, it's a sort of very creepy hounding like you're more like i said more like a haunting than anything yeah. else because all she does is like follow her like 20 meters behind them <laughs> and no matter no matter how fast they try to run away and they turn around and she's still there <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very unusual, um, a very unusual sort of moment in the book, and uh, they they end up uh, I think at a restaurant where they where where Jin Lun and his men eventually arrive, and Zhao Zijing, uh, who's always kind of schemy and you know generally sort of a bad guy. He he ends up clinging to Jin Lun, uh, Jin Lun, thinking he can um, he can use him as a shield against uh, Zhao Longnu, and so they end up going with him to uh, uh, Kublai's camp, and then at the camp, Zhu Batong arrives with uh, with the royal flag of uh, of, of the Mongols, and uh, and he and um, he and Jin Lun sort of settle on like a on a game where uh, you know. Jubatong's gonna have to come back and find the flag, and then, you know, that'll that'll uh, prove who 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 is uh, who who can outwit the other. Um, and so, did I miss anything in that chapter? I uh... no, I think that's the key parts. I yeah, I think uh, it's worth mentioning at this point that sort of Jin Lun's got a handle on Tomotong's character as well now, knowing how to manipulate him. <laughs> Um, and yeah, this is part of why his scheme sort of work in the next chapter as well, because he sort of you, you see how shrewd Jindan is and how his understanding of people and how they act is uh, very important. Yeah, he's um, he's very good. He's very good at sort of getting uh, at uh, at manipulating people. And um, yeah. yeah, so in the in this scene, he ends up not only does he manipulate Jubatong, he manipulates. Uh, uh, Zhao Zijing and tells him that uh, he he basically says, "Look, I'm going to try to help you because I want to. Uh, I want you to be the leader of Xuanzen sect, and we, you know, it, what it's important that you you impress Zhu Batong. So, uh, so I'm going to tell you where the flag is, and and so then uh, Zhao Zijing is able to leave Zhu Batong to the flag, uh, and then Zhu Batong because he wants to win, he sort of turns it into a race." And and he goes into a cave where the flag is, grabs it, and he's poisoned by um, these Tibetan snow spiders. I forget their exact name, but they're really sort of beautifully described. And uh, and then you have this protractive standoff in this cave where Zhu Batong has been poisoned, and uh, Zhao Longnu is in is uh, in the cave with him, sort of fending off uh, Jin Lun's attacks from the uh, from from outside the cave, and. And and then uh, Jin Lun brings more of these spiders to the battle, and seals off the cave entrance with their webs. Uh, but it turns out that that the the uh, the cure for the venom and the sort of the the anti substance for the web is uh you know is honey and bees. And so uh, because Zhao Longnu has the the bee fragrance, the 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 jade uh, container that she carries. Uh, she's able to to use that to her advantage, and and uh, Zhu Batong is cured when she uh, when she lures enough bees to sting him, and then they're able to break through the uh, um, through the web. And oh, go ahead. I think yeah, one of the, the um, parts that amused me the most is when Jin Lun uses Zhao Batong as a as a meat shield when Xiao <laughs> Nu sort of throwing out these poison needles, and. 
and that, yeah, it's basically Jonathan gets a whole bunch of needles in his back because it's been used as a shield, and he's like, oh, this is actually quite good. I can feel it helping, and like, and yeah, at that point you're thinking maybe that's just him being ridiculous, but we find out, yeah, not a couple of pages down the line that it actually is the 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 JD venom, the the B venom is actually counteracting the spider venom somehow. And uh, and yeah, and then the the chapter ends with um with massive chaos of Chuan's insect where uh 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 Jiping is supposed to be the uh the new um uh the new uh leader of the sect but uh Zhao Zijing has been using uh his knowledge of what happened to 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 sort of manipulate him and exploit him and uh, there's a series of complicated things that occur but eventually what happens is uh Zijing uh gains control of the sect and Jiping is about to be executed when Zhao Longnu arrives and says, let me do it. And there was also, you know, massive battle involving Jin Lun and the Mongolians. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty, it's a, these chapters are pretty, uh, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of battle details. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I don't know, what'd you think of this chapter? yeah it was chaotic and it, again it sort of for me it highlights just how easier this to manipulate people it seems to be i mean um so I, if i remember correctly so the only reason um tao jijing is knows of the affair uh between um yin Ping and channel new was because uh yin Ping was so felt so guilty about it that he confessed to um tao jijing what happened right i think that's sort of the course of events yeah, I think that's correct. I think that's correct. Um, yeah, just as, as a result of that, you know, all of this chaos is going down. He's being forced to abdicate and set me the position. And, um, and yeah, throughout the whole thing, he's sort of, he's always like mentioned, I've committed the great sin. Like, he's aware that what he's done is wrong and he wants to atone for it now. Um, but he just doesn't seem to know how to. And I don't know why he thinks that handing his position over to Tao Jing is going to help. I mean, I think what he said was that oh that he needs to preserve the face of the transgender sect because if word got out that one of the, that the, the sect leader uh, had assaulted a woman um that would be pretty scandalous and that would ruin their reputation well i mean it, it, yeah they, they it, it, i think what he said was he would be executed for what he did i think that's mm-hmm. the uh the the penalty that that sect has for for the crime that he committed and um, but the thing is, he was perfectly willing to let Shadow Liu kill him. Like, I, I think he's mentioned a few times that, like, if Shadow Liu wanted to kill him, then he would be happy to go along with it. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's I, just because you know he's so enough of Shadow Liu that he thinks anything that she does is is. <laughs> I think, well, I, there's a lot of people that are not fully committed to the idea of suicide in these books, even though they say they are, and I yeah. feel like he's one of them. Um, yeah. Like I don't know. I think like I think when he I think when he's despondent, you know, okay, I might as well just kill myself. But then as as soon as uh, 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 Zhao Zijing gives him a glimmer of hope, he uh, you know he's he's just right back in the palm of his hand. And uh, and, and again, you know, it, it sa- I think it says a lot about. I mean, I it says a lot about uh, uh, Zhen Ping when. Uh, when you think of what a terrible character Zhao Zijing is, do you know what I mean? And how easily he's been sort of like, why is he, you know, why is he 
so close to this man who's so despicable at every turn in the book. Um, and so I think, I think, you know, the, the, you know, in addition to a number of his other failings that one of the chief ones that, uh, Xi Ping has is a, um, a very weak will. Um, and, and well, that so, probably explains why he did, uh, performed the rape in the first place is yeah. because he could control himself. Yeah. So I, I think he's, he's, he's not only like weak, you know, in terms of his will with himself, but his will with, uh, you know, other people. And so, I don't know. I just find him a, I mean, he sort of has these glimmering moments where like, it's like, he seems like he's kind of redeemed, but you can't redeem a, number one, you can't redeem the, him in light of what he's done to Zhao Long No. But number two, he just, he's just too, he, he's going along with uh, Xi Jing's program the whole time. And Xi Jing is such a, like, I mean, he's practically twirling his mustache. He's so, he's so, he's so evil. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, he's just, he's, he, 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 he just, he's sort of like one of those uncharismatic villains, like the villain who's like, you know, he, he's got everything except for being handsome and suave, but he's got all the other villain elements going for him. Um, yeah. And and he and he's just so slimy the way he you know uses precise wordings, you know all the time to get out of you know he'll make promises but he'll be very careful how he phrases them and then he just you know unravels the promise by sticking to the precise meaning of the words, and yeah. Uh, and yeah so I don't know so um, but yeah that's where these that's that's where we are now we're in the end of chapter twenty five. That's another point that I don't know why he thinks he is cap- more capable to be. Uh, 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 to, like uh, why he thinks he's capable of being the sect leader of Transensec. Like I feel like he he's one of those people who wants power, but I think once he gets it, he won't know what to do with it. And that would uh, yeah, uh, he, he, his type of character is sort of my least favorite in the sort of the villainous archetype. In that um, they yeah you, you can tell from no matter you know how you cut it he is not going to be an efficient leader people won't follow him the sector's going to go downhill he's going to fall to the mongolians you, you can see the downfall of transcendent at this moment in time like it, it's very obvious that as long as you know Zhao jing takes over everything is going to get ruined yeah. but he still thinks that he is oh i deserve to be the sect leader because or he, I don't even think he's. I don't think he himself believes he deserves it. To be fair, he just thinks he wants it, just because it was actually mentioned here that there was like what hundreds of different branches of the transcendent sect and uh, hundreds of thousands of disciples, and like, which is actually quite significant. I don't know if that's. Uh, so you're reasonable. you're questioning his administrative skills when he gets into the post? anything. Like <laughs> I, I don't think he'd be able to accomplish anything. Like he yeah. would just ruin it, and then he'd be left with a. Well, uh, he couldn't. He couldn't handle. Uh, what like an 11 year old disciple like like yeah. imagine imagine how he would manage you know the whole sect so yeah i think you're right i think you're right it's um uh and also he's just one of these characters like he does not generate any kind of positive response from people you, you know all of his all of his qualities are in the negative um and 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 he just you know has no no integrity no uh, you know, his kung fu is weak. Yeah. He has no charisma. Um, he he has no determination. That's what as far as we can see. <laughs> I mean, you know what he is? He's like a rat, though. He's somebody who seems good at surviving, and yeah. in moments of desperation, can sort of find the way out. So I see him as one of these people that might, if he did, if he did, if he does gain power, 
He's not likely to hold it for very long, but he stands a good chance of surviving and finding a way to sort of, you know, eke out a uh, an existence after he falls from power. I don't know. Like, he, he doesn't strike me as the person who will survive and try to eke out an existence because he has ambitions, but I don't think he has the means to fulfill those ambitions nor the ability to, to hold the well, reins on I, those ambitions. Well, I, well, think so. he, I think he overestimates his own abilities, but, mm. but I think what he has is he has a very strong will to survive and a very strong sense of I'm more important than everybody else in the world. <laughs> and so... Um, so I think between that and some basic scheming ability, you know, he's with the promise thing. He's very good at that. He's very good at saying, oh, so you want me to promise this? Sure. Yeah. And then he makes sure it's phrased right. And he, and then, you know, you know what? I did exactly what you said. I did exactly what we agreed to. This is, you know, exactly what we, what we agreed upon. Um, I forget the exact wording, but, but in both instances, it was, you know, it was a, I think the the one was with the when they were uh, when they found Chao Liu and Yang Guo practicing naked in the uh, the flower field. Uh-huh. It was like I promise uh, I won't tell the fifth person. Uh, a fifth person will never find out about what happened here. And then at the hero's feast, he just proclaims it because well, <laughs> there are so many people here. There is no fifth person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he's you know he's he's got some he's got something, but it's like more like a. It's more the kind of scheming you expect to encounter, like among a lower sort of rank criminal, than yeah. uh, than the leader of a sect. Um, I, I certainly can't imagine people feeling good about themselves following him. Even bad guys wouldn't feel good about following this man. He's so, you know, like like Jin Lun. You can see why he might attract the following, but this guy, no. Um, there's not that yeah. much redeeming about him. Um, I don't know, it's just like, Jin Lun, I feel, is a much better sort of villain as far as it goes. I mean, he has the power, um, he has the smarts, and he can draw people in. Like, even Yang Guo was, you know, sort of thinking, oh, it's not too bad when when they were sort of traveling together. Yeah, and then he showed his uh, shitty side again, but (laughs) that's Jin Lun for you, I guess. And, uh, yeah, no, I I would agree. I think think he's, uh, I mean, he's obviously sort of like, you know, the the big big villain in this one um but uh i guess the uh yeah i don't know i mean jin lun and lee mochu to me are the you know they're the the sort of powerhouse villains in 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 this in this story but uh but i think you kind of need those... <laughs> I, I i think the powerhouse enemies in this novel is uh communication skills <laughs> it's, the, it's what's like been the cause of most of the issues so far to be honest yeah i mean well, and it's been some fairly basic communication breakdowns too um you know. tell me about how my father died okay after this battle maybe. Yeah. and then I'll, go, then I'll go talk to my wife about how we caused your father's death without checking to see if anyone was listening <laughs> yeah there's a there's a uh but um but i think you still need these sort of lower level slimy thugs to kind of flesh out the universe uh and uh but yeah i don't know in general do you have any feelings on on these last five chapters were these uh you know some of your favorites or some of your least favorites i these uh I think the most broad, the most pivotal moment here is when Guofu attacks Yang Guo. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think it marks the halfway point of the novel quite well. 
um, you know, slightly past that week. But it's basically the It feels like the midpoint of the story there, yeah. And I mean, we can tell, you know, we know he loses his arm. We know he's going to yeah. lose his arm. <laughs> it's um, a known fact. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but I think that uh, it's a really ballsy thing to do that, like, in the middle of the story like this. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not yeah, done like... as well. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if it's because of... This was originally published in a newspaper, right, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. And, I don't, and again, the, I know... My understanding is the newspaper version was slightly different, and then it was revised when it was released as a novel, then it was revised again... I think in the 90s or the 80s and then it was revised again in the in the early 2000s so there's like three revisions and i don't yeah, know so I, I just wonder if, if if this cliffhanger would have been worse well it definitely would have been worse if it was published here because i don't think one, one chapter now is the equivalent of what i imagine maybe you could break it down into 10 parts in the newspaper um, perfectly fine i'd say like Imagine dragging it out over ten times as long, and just leaving, ending one chapter, ending one publication on Yang Guo about to lose his arm, and then not going back to him for maybe another ten or twenty issues of newspaper. <laughs> well, and one thing I don't know, I don't know how it was released. Like I don't know when it was released. If it was um, each chapter was in in the, do you know what I mean? Like could they do? Because these chapters are pretty long. And so it's I'm very long. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they were releasing whole chapters or if it was more like sections of chapters uh i imagine it must have been broken down because just from the way it's translated obviously it it feels a little bit like it's all very discrete sections kind of they're all sort of like a natural ending point yeah and then some of the chapters sort of blur together i mean there was the one the fight scene with the blacksmith which sort of carried over into the next chapter which sort of says to me that you know maybe at some point they would have been looking at continuous chapters on this rather than being separated. I'm going to try to find the answer to that. I, 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 There's a book called Paper Swordsman. I can't remember the name of the author, but he's done a lot of... Um, is it Minford, maybe? I don't know. Um, no, Christopher Hamm. Um, but, uh, but that book gets into all of the, all of, uh, the Lewis Cha books, and uh, that, I, I remember them covering this, so I'm going to see if, that, if, the, if, if, uh, if there was a... Because I, I have this feeling that there might, there might have been a, a difference um but it's a minor point either way it's a minor yeah. point but uh but we'll be but we'll what we'll do is we'll make a point of doing one on that we'll do one on uh lee mochu as well i think at some point um but uh but yeah it's a, it's a really and it's not done like the the luke skywalker way where he loses the hand but then he gets like a a prosthetic hand you know what i mean it's it, it's a it's a real loss that he has to sort of deal with um and it's not just the head either; it's the arm, yeah. right, up from the elbow. Yes, the whole, it's the whole arm. Yeah. I think it's his whole arm. Is it uh, actually the whole arm? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could be wrong. Up, from the shoulder, yeah. Um, I think that's traditionally how we see him, and then he, well, and then he gets badass upgrades towards it in our half of the story, which uh, is pretty cool. But we'll, we'll leave that for what happens. I mean, if it doesn't, you know, eventually he overcomes it, but there's still this. He's got to really deal with it you know and um what, what what's also interesting is it happens kind of when he's almost at the peak of his power like at least i mean obviously he gets more powerful as the book goes on but like at this point he seems like he almost seems unstoppable do you know what i mean he and then and then you know guafu just cuts his arm off and uh <laughs> you know he's, he's sort of he's beaten the Wu brothers with a branch you know he's 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 rescuing Guajing from the Mongol camp. He's doing all this stuff, and then you know, 
like a domestic dispute and he loses an arm um but uh but yeah so um i don't know any any other thoughts on these ones uh no no i think we've basically talked about everything um Yeah. Yeah, and so, so we'll uh we'll be back on next week with uh with the the next five chapters. So I think what was that twenty six through thirty? Is that where we're at now? Yep. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be in better shape next week. We we do apologize for uh, if this was a little bit more lethargic than some of our other episodes, but uh, but I think also I, I do I do really want to do that Limochu uh, revisit. I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, so, so yeah, so we'll be back on, um, and we will talk to you later.